Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, I give you thanks for your mercy. Give you thanks for your loving kindness. And that you transcend all the earthly and the temporal to give us a witness to this supernatural and eternal. You're calling us back home for we're just pilgrims, sojourners going through this life for a season that we might know you and serve you and proclaim your name to the nations, serving our generation in the purpose of God. And thank you for capturing our heart. And thank you for allowing your love to be shed abroad in our hearts through your spirit, O oh God. Thank you for those who have answered the call and faithfully serve you and know you. We pray this morning that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a light unto our path, that it would be a good seed planted in our hearts, that it would be a double-edged sword, that it would be the bread of life. That it would be the breath of God that would nourish us. For you said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And allow that life to transform us. Allow that reality to confront us, to convict us, that we might line up with your heart and be upright and righteous in your presence. That we not despise and neglect such a great salvation you've given us. We give you thanks for what you're doing in this place. And as it serves the purposes of impacting the nations as we change our world, oh God. One person, one life, one family at a time. That we would be on your timetable. So that at your coming we would be faithful. And not be ashamed. Allow us to surrender to your spirit. And to bow down before your presence to declare that you are Lord and nothing else in our life is. That you are king and sovereign. You reign over all things in our lives. You direct us, oh God. You made us that we might worship you with excellence. And we give you thanks for your word and prosper it in the hearts of your people. And in the lives of all those who hear this message Wherever the web is transmitting this, this service, oh God. We pray that your deliverance from the grasp of the evil one would be full and secure. That we might serve you wholly, 100%. And fulfill your calling on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I am concerned that we not get on a... On a just a automatic pilot, so to will, um, in our worship of God, and that we would understand that our purpose in coming to this place is that we know God, and God wants us to know Him fully. Um, one of the verses that we often use is Daniel chapter eleven. I believe it's verse thirty-two, that it says that those who know God will do amazing things. The people who know their God shall be strong 
and carry out great exploits. And so knowing God is a great part of being able to be strong and a great part about being able to do great exploits. My concern was looking at my father who was a successful medical doctor and making a lot of money and was well known, but I saw him was very weak because his strength was not in the Lord, and I saw him allowing our family to fall and and be divided into divorce, and it was going to cause a great deal of disasters in our life. I knew I was headed for a horrible future. But then God came into our life and we began to know a God and we began to pray to him and ask him to do his will in our lives. And I remember it always, Lord, I I want to be successful uh, and successful not like Donald Trump. I want to be successful as a man that could look back and know that I have finished that which God had put in my life. In Psalm 1 verse 2 it says, delighting in the law of the Lord, making a, the word of God your delight, meditating on it day and night so that you can prosper in whatever you do, so that everything you do shall prosper. And so even this morning as I was talking to my daughter, I said, sweetie, you need to get into the word of God. And she says, well, I've been asking you for a Bible for a while now. I said, we're going to go get one right now. Let's go to the bookstore. So we just went into the bookstore and, and picked up her Bible. And I said, you need to make a part of your day. She's 12 years old. You need to make a part of your day that getting into the word of God and listening to the voice of God and hearing his spirit. Because um, I know that, that long after I'm gone and I'm out of her life or as she grows up and Nick is already going to college, that the word of God would be their meditation, that they would track their feelings in their heart and they would be up against giants and be able to uh, address these things according to the wisdom of God. And so to be in our pursuit and knowledge of God, and this is where I've had a lot of issues with a lot of people because the whole purpose of this place is to know God. Uh, The whole purpose of us coming together as the people of God is to know him and to press into our relationship with him. And the more you know God, the easier it is to get familiar and to become an expert in the affairs of God. Oh, I know that. Oh, I heard that. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, I was there. And and, and you become so uh, jaded and calloused and your life doesn't respond anymore to God. And I never want to get to that place. I never want to get to the place where we come to church and it's automatic. Yeah, this is already, you know, I heard this. I want it to be something that, God, where are you in this place? And what do you want to do today? Who do you want to touch? Who do you want to heal? Who do you want to restore? And that we not be on automatic pilot. In fact, at a certain time in the life of David, we know that that they had already become so accustomed to the Ark of the Covenant. They said, you know something, we're going to do it easier. We're going to make a little cart, and we're going to put the ark on the cart, and we're just going to pull the cart. And, and there, was, there was disaster. There was judgment of God that came and killed one of the men that were in that little enterprise. And so God says, that's not how I told you that I was to be, you know, that, that my presence was to come. 
I told you that it was to be men that would carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. And that it would leave an imprint on the ground for the, for the next generation. Not to do automatic. Not to, oh, you, you know, I was reading yesterday, and you're not going to believe this, but there is a, a main movie star. Her name is Diane Lane. And she played Martha Kent in this last Superman movie. Diane Lane. She played Martha Kent. I think it was Superman's mom. Clark Kent's mom. And who would have ever thought if you follow her life's biography, her great-grandmother was a Pentecostal preacher. And she learned how to become very outspoken in her theatrics because she used to listen to her grandmother preach the Bible. And so what happened from grandmother who preaches to the movie star who's at the suit, the Man of Steel, Diane Lane, what was the middle person, Colleen Farrington? The mother of Diane Lane was the 1958 Playboy centerfold model. The daughter of a preaching woman decides she's not going to follow mom's preaching. She's not going to be part of the church that they were a part of. But she's going to divert and she's going to do her own thing. And just in one generation, this family that I know for a fact had another legacy than to be known as my mom was a centerfold Playboy model for 1958. What happened? What, ha what happened from mama preacher to Diane Lane's mom to now Diane Lane married and divorced four times? No knowledge of God. No inheritance in the kingdom. And I want to suggest to you that I don't want my grandchildren to have that legacy. I don't want my great-grandchildren to look back and saying, you know, that I fathered a daughter that, that turned her back on God. And so the devil is very astute in making us so familiar with the gospel, it has no impact in our lives. And so I asked myself the question with Eve as she's sitting there in Genesis chapter 3. And she knows she's created by God and she's in the presence of God. And she has a conversation with Satan in Genesis 3 verse 1. The serpent being craftier than all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day the serpent asked the woman, did God really want you to not eat? From any tree of the garden. You know whenever you're letting the devil in your thoughts. He's going to twist them. Your thoughts start going away from God's thoughts. And they start twisting. And you begin to justify. And reason God out of your existence. And so she responds. Of course we may eat of the trees of the garden. It's only that one tree. Verse 3. It's that one tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to go near. And God says you must not even touch it or you will die. So somehow she, she's familiar with God in a certain realm. And she already has everything to lose because she's already talking to the wrong people. How many say amen? 
We're not supposed to be talking to the wrong people. We have a, a fantasy to be able to abide and dwell in the midst of people that are wickedly depraved and say we're going to be the light. And the Lord has told you not to be around that type of people. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says that bad company corrupts good character. So you don't think so, but you're already starting on the wrong foot when you are catering to people that have a character that is not conformed to God. And so she loses in the garden. She loses the inheritance that she has. Apparently, she, she becomes, she bows down to creation, to the created things more than the creator. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, the woman was convinced as she gazed upon the tree and it was beautiful, it was good for food. Look, how, look at how she makes the transition from a good God who is the source of everything that's coming down in her life. She transfers it to the tree and she starts saying it's good for food. It's pleasant to the eyes. It's desirable to make one wise. I'm going to get ahead in the natural. Look at this. From God creator to things created. And those things created could very well be church. Could very well be ministry. Could very well be what you do for God. Now, obviously, it could be our job. It could be our industry. It could be, you know, my law practice. I could start serving the law practice, saying, God is so good. I was, I was dumb and deaf, and he made me wise, and I'm a lawyer, and I'll start serving created things, and I'll forsake the creator. The man who gives me uh, health, uh, which is my priority... I'm going to serve things that have not given me. They, they have eyes but do not see, ears they do not hear, hands they do not touch, feet they do not walk, nose they do not smell, mouth they do not talk. I'm going to leave this so that I can embrace this. And again, this might be ministry. This might be church. This is, might be traveling for God. And, and so there is the, the distinction. And I always want to be bowed down before God. I want to be intimate with God way before anything I do or anything I've accustomed to doing. Whether it's my job or whether it's, it's things that are around us. So as we gather, we, we better make sure we don't become experts. So familiar that we take things as ordinary, as common. It's church, singing to the Lord. And God wants us to know him and to serve him with excellence, with worship. Last week we talked about holiness, which um, is the nature of God, is the nature towards what he's pulling us to. We didn't know in Exodus chapter 3, uh, I believe it's verse 5, that Moses approaches the burning bush and the Lord says, take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. He's a holy God with holy angels all around, with his holy word, the scriptures, with his holy spirit. 
calling us to the holy land. To a place where, where he's going to cause us to flourish in all things. We continue to be like dogs wanting to go back to the vomit. We're like pigs that go back to the mud. We, we continually are, are set our hearts on that which is unclean. That which is unfit. The marriage covenant is holy. We prefer pornography. We prefer fornication, adultery. And so I knew at the beginning of this whole thing, and that was my contention with God, the very first day I knelt down at the altar of God and I told him, there is a conflict between you and I. You are a holy God and I'm extremely unclean. And I could never serve you, nor do I have a disposition to walk before you in a manner that's correct unless you do it in me. And that's the covenant. That's the covenant of God. A holy God comes into your heart. And the first thing he removed from me when I invited him were curse words, bad words. And he cleared my heart of evil desire and theft. Taking the things that were not mine. And appropriating just a whole bunch of things in my life. He started separating. The word holy means to be separated to God. The word church means those that are separated for God. And God never said you're to be here to have two masters. He, he doesn't want a dual service. He doesn't want you to be double-minded. He's either you serve me entirely or you don't serve me at all. I didn't invite you to come into my presence to compromise. In India, it's funny because when the Christian crusaders and conference speakers come in, they'll do a, a conference of a million Indians, the Hindu people. And you preach to them about Jesus Christ and they said. We want Jesus. We'll add him to the list of our hundred gods we serve. He'll just be one more God. And God said, no. He is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He's the Lord of your life or he's not the Lord at all. And that's what was marked in the life of Christians. And so God the Father gives the Son. Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to read this very carefully. We, we know the Father has made himself known to the earth. Because while we were yet sinners, he sent his Son. But here, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says that for many times... Listen, I want you to see if this is true. If you could get a witness in your spirit that this is true. God, who at various times and in various manner spoke in times past... He's, he's constantly speaking to us. I can recall to the time I was eight years old and God was knocking on the door of my heart. Eight years old. Verse 2 says, in, if you don't believe this, in these last days. Are we living in the last days, Pastor? The Bible says we're living in the last days. Spoken to us through the message of his son. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He's speaking through his son. Um, do you know the message of the cross? That God gave his son that you might repent and that you might follow him. That's the message of the cross. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not be lost but would have eternal life. 
And so he says, it's necessary that I go. But I don't leave you as orphans. I will leave you the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the ministry of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are vast and powerful. Powerful. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, These things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Now, you, can't, you can't hide from His Spirit. He says, Where will I run from your Spirit? If I go to the depth, the deepest part of hell, there you are. God has revealed the things He has for us through His Spirit. For the Spirit knows all the things. Yes, even the deep things of God. Have you ever had an encounter with the Spirit of God? That you're like, man, the pastor didn't know this. My mom and dad didn't know this. The church I went didn't know this. But here the Spirit of God is, is pinpointing this out in my life. God is putting me between a rock and a hard place. He's not giving me any excuses. Uh, when you see these testimonies of Melissa Gill, who loses her mother and her father the same night, and her older brother, just exterminated from the face of the earth in one second. And you see this little girl not making this an excuse of arguing with God. Of saying, God, why'd you do that? She says, I trust that you're a good God and you have a purpose. And she's sitting here waiting for that purpose to be realized. She's serving God with gladness, with peace. That, that could only be God. So the spirit of God that embraces us and leads us. And, and so to be intimate with God in Isaiah 55, 8, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. How many agree to that? How many ever pitted your thoughts against the thoughts of God? God wants you to serve him, and you think what? I can't serve him. But you can serve everything else that comes across your life. And you're serving things that will perish, things that have no promise, things that have no reward. You give your energies, you give your health, you give your strength. Then you catch a terminal illness. You get cancer in the pancreas. You get a brain tumor. And all of a sudden you have a bright idea. What's your bright idea? God, if you heal me, I'll serve you. But yet now you're fully healed. You have full strength and you don't serve God. You don't wrestle with God because I think Jacob wrestled with God when he was about to die. I think it's a good thing that we be about to die so we can wrestle with God. Isaiah 55, 8, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. And verse 9, he says, very far above the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours. And my thoughts, super high. I, I never even dreamed of the possibility to change the world. I had a puny mind. I was going to serve myself. But when I, I, the Bible says, presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, not conforming yourself to this world, not taking the form and the thoughts of this world, but renewing your thoughts, being transformed, that you might know the will of God. So you say, Lord, here I am. This is, you created me to be the, in this fashion. All the good, the bad, and the ugly, I give myself to you to do what you want. To see your plans. It's been marvelous. It's been wonderful. Not my will, thine be done. Verse 13 of that chapter says what will happen 
if you do this. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar, which is another type of thorn, thorny bush, talking about pain and bitterness, shall come up the myrtle tree. Myrtle means laughter. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. God says, I have a path for you that is full of laughter and fruitfulness. That uh, cypress tree is uh, one that that provides a lot of uh, shade, strength, and it says that it was dedicated to helping women to be fertile and fruitful, fruitful. And he says, take a choice. Take, take these matters and contemplate them. And so in that regards, uh, many times the people of Israel would try to take something, but not God. Well, um, this was used by God, so this will be holy to me, and this will remind me of my relationship to God, and wherever I am with this, God will prosper me. That's man. That's man at his, at his best efforts to try and to reduce God to something he could handle and manipulate. And God doesn't want to be an object. And so there we see in uh, the Old Testament... Um, As they were in a fight, they brought the Ark of the Covenant to the front. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3, it says, After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp, and the elders asked, of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? And they said, Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. If we carry it into battle with us, it will deliver us from our enemies. So they grabbed the Ark. That thing that represented the presence of God. And they said, if we put that in front of all our battles, we will be successful. You know what ended up happening? They, they lost and they stole the ark. God says, I don't want you to make my worship something. It's, listen to me. I love Spring of Life Fellowship, but I'm serving God. I love the... the, the, the what God did 15 years ago when he called us to, to start the church called Spring of Life. But, but long after the Spring of Life is gone, there's a living God. And that's who I serve in this place. And that's what I, I, I want to have my life reflect. What I serve, who I serve, where I serve, why I serve is God. It's not... It's not uh, some people only see spring of life like right here. Well, the church wants me to do this. The church doesn't want me to do this. Listen to me. Get this out of the way and open your eyes. Americans say, smell the coffee, sir. There's a great big God. A great big God. One of the reasons that years ago we, we, we refused to pass the bucket to pick up money from people is because God is vast and lavish and extravagant. Way above your ability to chip in any amount. Any amount. What you're receiving now from God is priceless. And so the revelation to give God is when you understand all that God has given you. No man could teach you that. Every breath you take, I challenge you to go get an oxygen tank. 
Find out how many oxygen tanks you use daily. And God has given to you for free. And you're still a miser. You're still stingy. And so it's not about things. It's not about a place. Because even there, it was about a thing. The Ark of the Covenant. If you go with me to Jeremiah chapter 7, they thought through the prophet Jeremiah... Verse 1, Jeremiah 7, verse 1, he says, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go to the entrance of the temple and give this message to the people. Judah, listen to the message that the Lord sends you. Listen, all of you who worship here. This is what the Lord of heaven says, the God of Israel. Even now, if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your land. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply saying, I am part of the Lord's temple. The Lord's temple. They, they, if they said those words, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They said, I, I go to church. I go to Spring of Life. I'm there on Sunday. That's, that's nothing. That's nothing. This is the temple of the Lord. But do you serve the Lord of the temple? Are you in relationship with God? Do you hear God? Do you have a heart for the heart of God? In verse 4, he says, don't turn, do not trust in these lying words saying the temple, the temple. Verse 5, for if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment, if you treat those that are surrounding you in a proper mindset, if you quit taking advantage of those that do not know God, how do we take advantage of those who do not know God? Verse 6, if you do not oppress the stranger and the fatherless and the widow and do not shed innocent blood or walk after other gods to your herd, you're going to serve other things. You go to bow down to other things. You go to sacrifice to other things. But you have no commitment, no conviction, no tie. To the, house, to, the, to, to the house of the Lord, to the Lord's house. Then I will let you stay in the land. Verse 8. Don't be fooled into thinking you will never suffer because the temple. Behold, you trust in lying words, the temple. And these do not profit you. Do you really think you can steal, murder, lie, adulter? And then come here and stand before my temple. Verse, verse 10. And then come here and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are delivered to do all these wicked things. My friend, it's not like that. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves? Behold, I even the Lord have seen this. I'm witnessing this, that you're trying to use your relationship to the temple as saying that you merit the favor of God. It's not going to be like that. John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus confronts the experts of his day and says, You know the Bible like the back of your hand. You search the Bible. You know every verse. For in them you think that you will have a great life, an abundant life, a prosperous life. But all these words, they're talking about hanging out with me, knowing me, serving me, worshiping me. In verse 40, he says, yet you are not willing to come to me that you might have blessing in your life. You're not willing to, to do what I say, to, to be an example. And so Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, we have seen his invisible nature 
We have seen the character of God clearly seen and understood by his eternal power and the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit so that we are without excuse. We have no, we have no excuse why not to serve God with gladness. In Acts chapter 14, verse 17, Paul says, He left you with a clear witness. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good. And he gave you the rain that comes from heaven. And he made you to enjoy fruitful seasons. And he filled your heart with food and gladness. Who can, who can say God has not done that to us? Anybody? Can we say that God has, has forsaken us? Absolutely not. When we're faithful, he's faithful. And when we're not faithful, he continues to be faithful. And so I, I pray, and the purpose of, of this word this morning is, how then should we live in his presence? How then should we worship him and serve him with gladness? And tell devil, get behind me. I'm not going to listen to you. You have no bearing. He's condemned already. You don't want to listen to him. I was listening to a man last week, and he, he was arguing with the devil. He was like, the devil's telling him, you're, you're a coward that you should bow before God. You're a wimp that you should believe in him. You have no uh, backbone that you're letting the word of God lead you. And there's nothing more sinister than Satan's thoughts towards men to justify their departing from the living God. So... As he tells Moses, take the sandals off your feet, for you're standing on holy ground. In verse 6, he gives him a little bit of a foresight. He says, I'm calling you to be separated, that you might serve. Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. He says, take the sandals off your feet, you're standing on holy ground, so that you might serve the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, his son, and the God of Jacob. Three powerful manifestations to be able to know God. Three powerful realities. The God of Abraham wants to be your friend. He wants to show you how to, to be able to pursue the invisible God. I love... Witnessing the life of Isaac, um, he displays the character of a perfect son. I, I want to recall who Isaac is. His father says, come on, Isaac, we need to go up there to worship God. And he carries the wood on the sacrifice that's going to offer his life. And he tells his dad, dad, we have the fire, we have the wood, what are you going to do? So this guy's being the offering and he's willingly going with his dad. He's an obedient son. Later on in life, his father says, hey, Isaac, you stay there. I'm going to go get a wife for you. And the man stays there. And so I ask you, is that not a son who trusts his father to pick his wife out? I don't know many sons would do that nowadays. But Isaac is the depiction of a perfect son. In Genesis 26, we see God tell him, stop. There's a famine in the land, but you're not to run to Egypt. Stay in the land of promise because I'm going to make you a wealthy man. And God does. He just pours out 
tons of provision. And he becomes super prosperous. But he was a faithful son in the sacrifice, in the marriage, and in famine. Faithful in all his ways. And so I challenge you to get to know the Father, uh, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jacob, the God of Jacob, we see the transformation. Jacob goes from being Jacob, which is a thief, a liar, a manipulator, a proud person, to becoming, he says, your name shall no longer be Jacob. It shall be called Israel. So God makes him a prince of nations. So in this manifestation that we're seeing this morning, the God we worship in a transforming reality that wants you to really know the Father and you be a faithful son and let the Spirit of God take the depth, the depth of your depraved heart, your wicked, degenerate heart, that you would not serve a faithful God. That you would not serve Him wholly and entirely, every thought, every moment, Every second of your life. This woman who testifies to Stephen Baldwin is cleaning a house. And she says, I'm not here cleaning a house, mister. I'm here on assignment. I'm serving my father. So that everything we do is for the glory of God. Everything we do is to acquire fruit to bring to heaven. And so verse 7, Exodus 3, 7, we'll go there quickly. He says, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows. And let me tell you something. I can trust this God who's calling me to great heights because he's become familiar with me in my suffering and pain. God, God has shown me that he cares about my tears. He's shown me that he cares about my personal issues. He's not a God not acquainted with sorrow. He didn't have to come and suffer the cross, and he did through his love for us. So he says, listen, I'm taking you to a high place, but I understand where you are right now. I understand all the difficulties, but I'm bringing you through. And the message this morning is a challenge and a, a calling to you to serve God truly and passionately. Truly and passionately serve him with everything you are. Hebrews 4.15 says that he is not a high priest who's unable to understand or sympathize or share his feelings with our weakness and infirmities, but was in all points tempted. Yet he maintained the course. He continued to live for God and to live for his Father and to be an example for us in our travels. Luke 18, there's two people. Verse 9, there's a Pharisee. And he starts out with saying, he says, in Luke 9, 18, 9, it says that he spoke this parable. This is Jesus teaching. Because some people, they were too into themselves. They thought they were right. And they were despising others. So he, he has the explanation of two people. The, the never-go-wrong Pharisee expert, I know it all. Nothing's ever going to be wrong. And then the guy says, God, I cannot live without you for a single second. And, and trust me what I tell you today as I serve God in this place and throughout the world, that the only motivation for my serving him is because I cannot live one more second without God. I don't know what it is to have God turn his back on me or, or to be far from his mercy and loving kindness. Can we stand this morning?
And let this word be your meditation. I feel it's the heart of God that we're not on automatic pilot, that we're not just going to a church because it's our it's a, it's, we're, we're acquainted with the church. We've known it for a while. I know the people that go there. I already know the people that serve. Listen, this is not about this. This is not about this. This is about coming before a living God. Manifest expression in Christ, his son, through the spirit of God. And he wants to heal you of your infirmities. He wants to set you free of your bondage, anything that holds you back from coming to him. He wants to restore you entirely, body, soul, and spirit. You're a puppet of the devil. You're a puppet of the devil if you don't run towards God and become a full expression of his mercy in your life. And so that when you stand before the presence of God, you're not ashamed. As people were looking at who can dwell in the presence of God, and that's been the contemplation of anybody who's ever come near God, I mean, if his standards are so high, then who will qualify? I want to tell you that this is what the Lord is expecting in the pursuit. Just like you show up anywhere, he expects you to be faithful, to serve him as faithful as you do other things. Psalm 15 verse 1, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? And he says, he who walks uprightly, who works righteousness, who speaks truth in his heart, who does not speak evil in his tongue, nor does he do wrong towards others, nor does he take up a reproach against a friend and and laugh at somebody in a calamity, whose eyes in whose eyes a vile person is despised. Listen to this. In whose eyes he sees somebody doing something wrong and he says, I'm not going to be a part of that. Instead, he honors those who does right. He, He forms part of the coalition of those that do the right thing. He who has an ability to commit and does not change. It's not today because of this message. We've been serving the Lord faithfully for 28 years. We made our decision 28 years ago. It doesn't matter what's coming down the line. We're not waiting for something bad to say, well, something bad happened, so I'm out. No. Our decision was a long time ago because of that decision. Because of the cross. That's enough. If God doesn't do anything else for us, that was enough. Kept us from going to hell. Who's not close to put his money out towards things that are not proper nor does he take a bribe against the innocent he who does these things shall never be moved can you perfect your worship today and just close your eyes and say Lord I want to worship you above all things I want to know you more than anything I ever wanted I want to embrace you Holy Spirit I want to walk before you uprightly And honor the death of Jesus on the cross who conquered sin and death. I don't want to eat out of the hand and the fodder of Satan. I don't want to have his provision and his prosperity. Because that ends in death and destruction. But I want to serve you faithfully. I want to honor you faithfully. I come here on Sunday to show forth my gratefulness to the King of glory. And I present my life 
to be corrected and to be washed and cleansed so that I can be fit for every good and perfect work. Father, even now I pray for your people that you give them the strength and the grace to pursue you entirely, wholeheartedly. That they might give themselves entirely to you. They belong to you. You paid them with the price of your son, the blood of Jesus. That they might serve you with gladness for the abundance of all your mercies and goodness upon our life. Heaven is a witness to us. Your, the heavens declare your glory. Day after day they declare your handiwork. The angels that serve you and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Give us a vision. Renew our passion for you. That it not be things. That it not be relationship on an earthly plane that causes us to serve you with excellence. That it not only be, not even be the things that we receive as a result of your goodness and mercy, but worship you because you are who you are. And I pray this morning, Father God, as we dismiss that your tender mercies and your faithfulness would bring us back to you, bring us back to your presence. Remove all familiarity. Remove all the things we do know so that we might tap into the eternal Godhead, the deep and unsearchable riches of your glory and grace. Forgive us our sins, O oh God. Forgive us our rebellions, our pride, our obnoxious spirit that's full with toxins. That Satan not be a quick snare to us. But that we can serve you with simplicity. And walk blameless before you. So we might be ready at your coming. In Jesus name we pray. And the house of God says amen and amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.